Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We actually will be joined by the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman, for an entire show. What a treat. But first... I want to talk to you about our latest issue of Shale Magazine, in which our cover is Sarah Ortwine, who is the president of XTO Energy, of course, a company, an energy company that's based in beautiful Houston, Texas. This is definitely an issue that you don't want to miss. And we were actually pretty happy and proud to have her on the cover um, as there's just not a lot of women executives uh, in the energy sector. And so we were able to tell her story, talk about the great company XTO, as well as um, just kind of introducing uh, our listenership and our fan base to XTO, the energy company. So be sure to go to shale, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's shellmag.com to read the story in its entirety. And now it's time to bring on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is today. I'm glad uh, the bad weather seems to have passed. Um, And it looks like we just now are dealing with a little bit of some coolness, but it looks like most of the rain, I think, is gone, or so I hope. Yeah, well, it's Texas school, you know, 60 degrees is Texas school, so that's good. Exactly. Well, I'm really excited because, you know, this week we're actually going to have you Our this week's show. We actually have you for the entire show. So it'll be interesting because there's so much going on. You know, we're talking about oil and gas prices at the pump, what's happening to natural gas prices. So, you know, we're going to cover everything in this uh, show today. So I'm really excited to have you and, and to cover all the different topics that really, really matter to the average person as well as to the industry as a whole. They sure do. Everybody's lives are impacted by energy. I'm telling you. And sometimes it, it it's impacted and, and you don't even realize it. Like, what you know, Bloomberg, they had a report this week talking, it was discussing the University of Texas, their endowment fund has now, it's now the largest in the country. It's sitting at $31 billion. And that's mainly because the university owns, uh, the school owns mineral rights in Permian Basin. Uh, so I'm curious, I thought that you know, as we move out uh, to the end of the year, this is our last show for the books for 2018. I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about the different ways that the industry is handling um, or the industry benefits our state government uh, or governments in Texas, the different departments, and then, of course, other states as well. So let's begin discussing UT and how they ended up owning mineral rights, because I'm just baffled by that. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. It's just a wonderful story. Back in the 1880s or at late 1870s, when the state legislature and governor at the time were, were thinking about creating a university of the first class, is, is how they worded it. Um, they had no way to pay for it. Texas was a very poor state, and uh, but they did have a lot of land owning south in uh, West Texas. 
but that were generally considered to be at that time worthless, essentially, other than grazing some cattle and sheep on. And uh, in order to fund the you know the first few buildings and the land purchases for for the new university, the state government deeded uh, tens, hundreds of thousands of acres out in West Texas uh, to the university as its endowment, uh, you know, begin its endowment fund. And mainly from grazing rights and you know other ways they could think of at that during those days to to make money off of that land. It helped to pay for the building, like I say, the first main building at the university and a, a dormitory and the first few buildings there. And, and uh, really up until the 1920s, uh, when the first successful oil well was drilled on university lands, I think in 1921 or 22, uh, the original derrick for that well still, still sits on the campus, uh, that land was considered to be fairly worthless land, and, and of course, over the last uh, century now almost, uh, it has produced billions upon billions upon billions, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, to benefit not only UT, but in, in the 1930s, they expanded uh, that to, to bring the Texas A&M system into the endowment as well. But m most of it goes to the University of Texas system still, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool that we now have a bigger endowment at UT than they have at Harvard, which is, I think, the first time this has ever been the case. So very cool uh, circumstance. Well, you know, the state of Texas also collects taxes, and I want to get into that because so that's the mineral rights and royalties. So if you yeah. own mineral rights under the ground and they're drilling, you're receiving royalties as a result of it. And, and maybe what a lot of uh, consumers or, or, you know, the community doesn't understand is the industry also pays a lot of taxes. I mean, lots and lots of taxes. And of course, the state of Texas uh, benefits, we all benefit from that. And, and I want to get into um, the industry, how it's taxed, um, and what go comes into the local governments and the state governments, because you yeah. think about it, I mean, we're talking about $31 billion from the university for just royalty rights and, and royalty dollars coming into them. And then, of course, now the industry is also paying taxes on top of that. So let's talk about oh, yeah. the, the, the industry's tax, uh, the taxes they pay to local government, state governments. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, Texas is, is really one of the friendliest states for oil and gas production. You know, I mean, it's one of the easier states to operate in. The state likes the oil and gas industry. We've been here forever. But it, it is really one of the most heavily tax states uh, in the whole country for the oil and gas industry. They, they The industry is taxed at every step of the way, first by property taxes when you buy leases, uh, the, the local taxing jurisdictions, the counties, the hospital districts, colleges get to tax not only your assets that are on those leases, but also the reserves, oil and gas reserves under the ground, uh, the value of those reserves. Texas is one of only two states that allows that. And so there's a lot of property taxes going to school districts and counties, you know, to help pay for roads and everything. Then the, the sales tax, of course, you know, all of that equipment, uh, everything you purchase as a company uh, that's necessary to drill your wells gets uh, sales tax placed on it. Then the severance tax, when the production comes up out of the ground, uh, you know, there's a franchise tax that companies have to pay for the right to do business in the state of Texas. And on and on and on. And so it's, it's. I mean, and nobody complains about it. I mean, it's a wonderful state to operate in. But uh, the, the all told, just in taxes to the state government, 
the industry pours in uh, roughly about 10 to 15 billion dollars every year uh, depending on how the industry is going and, and of course the avalorum taxes uh, as you drive around the permian basin now in the eagle ford shell region all the new public schools and hospitals you see you know those are there because of the booms uh, in oil and gas production in those regions and up here where I live in the Barnett Shell region, my goodness, I live in Mansfield and there are five brand new high schools in this city because of the Barnett Shell and all the taxes they collected. So it's, uh, you know, uh, it benefits uh, the state uh, in so many ways. It's just amazing. And I think that, you know, when, when I look at the industry and recognizing the, the school districts and, and the infrastructure that occurs in these small towns where they're in the rural towns where they're drilling and you see such wonderful activity for these communities it's kind of a, a deal changer like like i'll give you an example um when eagle ford was was up and coming you know there were a lot of these little counties uh Carnes county uh, a lot of these little counties had used one fire truck and that was it so if anything mm-hmm. caught on fire that town was in trouble and and um, we've seen the industry, uh, some of these major operators just donate brand new fire trucks to the, these small little cities because, you know, they need to be there just in case. But this was game. This was a big game changer for them as well to to receive brand new ambulances or fire trucks, as well as building new schools and just so much going into uh, the local economy, as well as, of course, like you said, the billions of dollars for the state. And uh, let's talk quickly about the rainy day fund because i know we have it here but do other states have it they do um you know oklahoma has a rainy day fund um texas is kind of unique it's funded pretty much entirely from uh, oil and gas severance taxes uh and we have about a 12 billion dollar uh, balance in that fund right now in oklahoma for example just as another example and most states have a rainy day fund of some sort but in oklahoma it's not tied to oil and gas severance taxes in that state. They, what what Oklahoma has done with their rainy day fund over the years is just any time they've had a budget surplus, they take a portion of that surplus money and put it into the rainy day fund. And unfortunately, they haven't had a surplus in a long, long time in Oklahoma. And it, it, it just has a couple of hundred million dollars in it. And so this year, there's going to be an effort, I believe, led by the industry to tie the oil and gas production tax up there uh, to help fund that rainy day fund because the state really needs a stronger fund than that. New Mexico has one, North Dakota has one. It's extremely well funded. And you, you look around the country, most states have some kind of a rainy day fund, but the that $12 billion balance in the Texas fund is far and away the, the biggest ballot in any state rainy day fund in the country. And all of that is raised by oil and gas and is given to the state, uh, just to clarify, and that is disseminated out by elected officials to the basically the citizens of Texas. It's an amazing story. David, when we return from break, you know, we've, we've had some low uh, gas prices at the pump, and, and I want to talk sure about have. that as well. So, But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. Merry belated Christmas, Energy Minute listeners. Are you enjoying cheap gasoline? Pump prices are averaging below $2 a gallon right now thanks to the cheapest oil in a year and a half. WTI bottomed out near $4.50 a barrel just before Christmas. At the same time, the head of Russia's biggest oil company stated that he expects Brent oil prices to be just about $50 a barrel in 2019. This prompted strong words from OPEC leaders. On Christmas Day, the United Arab Emirates oil minister stated that OPEC will extend its cuts or add to them if needed in order to stabilize prices. WTI ended yesterday at $46.58 per barrel. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And our guest today is David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. David, before the break, we were discussing pretty much the uh, rainy day fund and how um, royalties uh, coming in from uh, oil and gas has really benefited the state of Texas. But I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, gas prices at the pump. It has really been noticed this Christmas. MasterCard reported this week that the U.S. consumer spending in the Christmas season was uh, the highest it had been in in a decade this year. So can we expect these gas prices to continue and what role uh, are they playing right now uh, pertaining to oil and gas prices? Yeah, and then and boosting consumer spending, you know, I mean, when you have low gasoline prices like this. People have more money to spend. Right. I mean, we, my gosh, going into the holiday season this year, Texans were paying a dollar eighty for regular. My goodness, that that's as low as it's been in many years. Um, and, and so when you have low gasoline prices, a couple of things happen. People travel more. There were more U.S. citizens on the roads this holiday season than there have been in many years. And people spend more money because they have more disposable income that they're not spending on gasoline. And so they spend more money on Christmas gifts and, and, and other kinds of consumer spending. So we saw consumer spending this holiday season. That report said $850 billion in consumer spending. Uh, which was well above last year, and last year was well above the year before. Um, and, and so that's not surprising. And, and, a, and a lot of that is facilitated, and people don't think about it. But if, if we were paying 3 to $4 for gasoline right now, those cons- consumer spending levels would have been a lot lower because people would not have had as much disposable income. And so it just, you know, it feeds into to, to everything that happens in the economy. It, it, so it was a real boost for the economy at holiday season to be paying low low prices for gasoline. Well, you know, I, I can say that 
um, our social media pages um, in the Oil Patch Radio Show, Shell Magazine, um, that that page, and then of course my personal page. Um, there was a lot of discussion about gas prices at the pump. Everyone was pretty excited, like, what's going on? I'm not used to paying this low price. And, and, and I don't think the average consumer could really connect it back to oil prices, yeah. but they sure were enjoying it. And, and so <laughs> it was nice to see that. And I was also going to say that I noticed you recently took a trip to New York uh, over the holidays, your family for uh, Christmas. And, and while you were there, you posted some pictures up on your Facebook page about gas prices. Um, what at a local mobile station there in Manhattan, yeah. <laughs> these people were paying $5 a gallon for gas uh, compared to the 180 we're paying here. Yeah. So talk to me about what's going on and, and why was this the case in New York City? Taxes. Taxes, taxes, taxes. <laughs> and and anti-oil and gas, maybe? <laughs> right. And they hate <laughs> they the oil and like gas that? industry. Yeah. The irony, great irony about New York City is virtually all of its electricity is generated by natural gas power plants. Um, but the governor up there has decided to make pipelines and natural gas a big political item. So he won't let allow pipelines to be built and he's banned hydraulic fracturing so they, the, the people there don't get the benefits of the Marcellus shale assets that are under their land. Um, but yeah, they're paying $5 a gallon for regular uh, at that mobile station. And, and that was a very common sight in New York right now. It's because uh, the city taxes gasoline. The state has a gasoline tax. Uh, the tra local transportation authority has a gasoline tax, and they're very much higher. And in Texas, our state gasoline tax is about 15 cents a gallon. In New York state, it's over a dollar a gallon. And so when we see all these riots, I, you know, I compared it to the riots out in France in Paris here recently that are over you know, those people are paying seven, eight dollars a gallon. Well, that's not really all that much higher than what New Yorkers are paying. But they're burning, burning things up in Paris because the, the government wants to raise them again. And, uh, you know, uh, California, same thing. You know, they're just as high in California as they are in New York. But but in most other states, gasoline prices are very low because the state governments aren't piling all these taxes up on them. It's crazy people don't uh from those two states understand um the amount of extra fees and taxes that are they're being paid to me i just look at it i'm a little bit more frugal i'm like i i would prefer to keep that either in my bank account or uh, you know there's other ways of spending your money than spending five dollars a gallon uh, if you if you're going to drive a lot, which you know I do, right? <laughs> um, I don't think I would live in one of those states, but but oh well. Um, let's change gears a little bit and talk about the stock market because it has been going crazy this month. Um, but the economic indicators still seem to be strong. So what is the doggone turmoil going on in uh, the stock market? Uh, and is this going to? And the big question for me is: Is this going to impact the oil and gas business? Yeah, well, it does. You know, I mean, companies' stock prices are, are down this year. Uh, I read there was an article this week that uh, I think ConocoPhillips was the only reference company in in the uh, S&P uh, Energy Index that whose stock price was higher right now than it was at the first of the year. So, you know, when companies' stock prices suffer, uh, it impacts their ability to borrow money when they need to impacts the the amount of dividends they're able to pay out to investors and how many rigs are really going to put out as well right 
Right. It, and it, it impacts their ability to spend capital, which which is, you know, how you drill wells. And, and so it's it's a bad deal. You know, it's not good for the industry and uh, uh, everybody in business does. And, and of course, it also just the increased uncertainty just makes it so much harder to plan your business. And, and that's a very difficult thing for particularly for oil and gas companies where so many things, other things are unpredictable in the business. Um, that just throws that much more uncertainty into the planning process. So it's a very tough time when the stock market's going up and down like it has been recently. True. And unfortunately, it isn't so much of uh, oil prices and what's going on in OPEC. It, it's tied into all these other things that are tying into the stock market. So it's, you know, what is the... Um, inflation rate what is of course the interest rate so it's a lot of different things that that trigger this market to go crazy and then of course it has the impact on oil and gas which of course trickles down to us uh when we return from break i want to talk about oil prices because we've seen a lot over the christmas holidays there was a lot of uncertainty in that area too and that also triggered the stock market so i i want to talk about that but we do have to take a quick break when we return we'll talk about oil prices you are listening to In the Wall Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, Oil Field Experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, Call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. Uh, David, we were talking before the break about the stock market and how crazy it's been going and, of course, how everything intertwines together. Explain to me what's going on with oil prices. Well, and they do feed off of one another. The oil prices tend to be more volatile uh, when the stock market is extremely volatile, like we've seen recently. And, and you know, the the Dow has gone from 26,000 to 22,000 and back up a little bit, you know, and uh, so at the same time, the price for crude oil has dropped very dramatically and um, it, it hasn't, it, it's, it's all uncertainty. Um, investors in commodities don't like all this uncertainty and it's not just around the stock market. There's also uncertainty about U.S. policy in the Middle East. Uh, the president's announcement that he's going to pull troops out of Syria, for example, I think had an impact. The whole mess with Saudi Arabia and this uh, Jamal Khashoggi fellow uh, who was killed in Turkey uh, back in October, I think, had an impact. And and then there's, of course, just been the reality, frankly, that uh, the the crude oil supply has been oversupplied here since October. And that was due to the fact that uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia flooded the market with about a million barrels a month a day for two months, more than they needed to, thinking that uh, the sanctions on Iran were going to take a lot of crude oil off the market that didn't come off the market. 
So now we sit here and we have an imbalance uh, between supply and demand and um, all this uncertainty. And it's just led to a, what is 45%, I think, since October 2nd, uh, the WTI price has fallen. So, you know, whereas we were sitting here two months ago thinking that the crude prices were going to be strong at the end of this year, going into next year, now they're pretty weak. And it's, it's, it's a real tough situation for a lot of these operators. And when OPEC Plus made that announcement that they were going to take 1.2 million barrels a day off of the market beginning in January, well, the market traders had already kind of priced that in. They, they had assumed that there would be a million to 1.3 or 4 million uh, barrel a day cut by those countries. So when they made that announcement, it really had no impact. And all these other things, meanwhile, were still going on, all these other factors. They were just putting downward pressure on the price and continue to. So now OPEC and Russia are sitting here at the end of the year thinking, geez, we may have to call an emergency meeting early next year to cut some more. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing, though, that the, I, when I look at our show and I realize the importance of what we discuss and how it really affects everyone uh, on the planet, practically. But it, oil and gas really, truly triggers so much. And it's a very important commodity. And there's just so little understanding of it. So I'm really glad we do our show once a week and try to bring the information um, in, in a format that people can understand. Switching gears Let's talk about the uh, the banks. The leading banks are now projecting a much lower price for 2019, much less than a few weeks ago. So how is this lower price outlook going to impact the upstream part for the drilling plants, which means, of course, these are the operators that are drilling for oil and gas. How is it going to affect their drilling plants? Yeah, that, and that's going to be an interesting thing to observe. I mean, it's so, so here's what's happened. What happens within these companies? You know, the bigger companies that that have to formulate budgets and get them approved by boards of directors for the next year. That all takes place long in October. No, by November, those budgets are pretty much approved for the following year. Well, in October, crude prices were somewhere between sixty-three and seventy dollars, and and people were still thinking, you know, it's the price is going to be pretty strong in twenty nineteen. So. Companies went about putting pretty strong drilling budgets together uh, because of that price outlook. Now they're here at the end of the year and the crude price is $20 less than it was when they put their budget in place. And companies have to be thinking, you know, well, we need to make some adjustments or and some of them are just going to go ahead and start executing on their budgets at the first of the year and see how things progress for a few months before making any changes. So I think what we're going to see when first of the year comes around is the the rig count, which is still sitting around 1,100 or so in the drilling info rig count, 1,120, um, is going to probably fall, but not rapidly, just very gradually. We'll see a slow fall through the first two or three months of the year. And then if you get to like March and the price is still in the low 40s, uh, I think you may see companies really start cutting back on their drilling operations at that point. And you could see a fairly dramatic fall off, you know, 100 rigs or so uh, in the rig count uh, for the second, you know, from April through June. Uh, but if the price firms up, like a lot of people are expecting it to, then it, it just may have not much impact at all. So it's just, it's hard to tell right now. Right. Nobody has a crystal ball at this moment. David, when we return from break, I want to talk about the government shutdown as well. And 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 the impact it's having. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. 
Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Visit our website, shalemag.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. You know, David, we've been discussing oil prices uh, and the drop over Christmas. Uh, Christmas Eve was probably uh, uh, not a good time for a lot of operators. Um, and of course, the stock market and people uh, saw a lot of change there very quickly. Um, let's talk a little bit about the government and its shutdown right now. Is that you know, you talked a little bit about it in an earlier segment that it is having some kind of an impact, but how big of an impact is it having on on, on uh, the oil markets right now? Because it seems like the oil markets are going are pretty crazy right now. Yeah, well, and so that's an interesting question um, because the shutdown itself, which is very minor and not really impacting much of the government, and is really not a shutdown at all. Uh, the shutdown itself, as a as an entity had literally no impact on the oil and gas industry at all, period, none. But the media reporting on the shutdown, all the fright reporting that we saw, the hysteria, uh, when it first went into effect, I do think has an effect on how markets behave. When you when markets see all these dire predictions of, of doom and gloom because of, of what, what what is it? I mean, it's like 4% of the government or something. It's just, it's a, it's a joke. Um, you know, when they, when they, even traders, you know, are not necessarily knowing what's really going on. And you see these news reports on CNN and MSNBC and all these other networks um, talking about how the world's going to come to an end. Well, that, that has an impact on markets, not just the crude markets, but on the stock market as well. And so I, I do think that all had an impact. Now, it, it didn't last long, probably less than four or five days, but uh, during those days, you saw the crude price all eight dollars a barrel in the stock market tank a thousand points and and so it, I, I do think it had a very significant impact on the markets now the crazy thing is so over the christmas holidays it tanked and then it it rebounded and it rebounded the largest uh, rebound we've seen um in what year yeah, one day in yeah. one day ever. Yeah. ever yeah exactly ever so it's huge but uh, i guess my question to you is you do you're one of the few guests that will speculate which is good most most <laughs> of our guests are like i have no clue that i don't have a crystal ball i don't want to take a guess you you like to take a stab at it and we like that by the way so you know it throughout the year we we, we saw strong relatively strong prices on oil on crude oil and then of course um you know we saw it tank here right before the end of the year what is your best guess of what will happen in the first quarter of the year? Does it does does oil prices come back and kind of uh, rebound to a, a decent level where operators feel comfortable? Or do you see this taking a little bit longer to rebound and we're looking at second quarter, third quarter? Yeah, well, I, I do think the price will stabilize and start to rise gradually. Um but just because I, I just think that's the you know where the supply and demand picture demands it go. Um, uh, despite all the again, you get into all this news and all the the doom and gloom news reporting goes on. Yeah, uh, there some economists are speculating we could see the 
the economy continue to slow down next year. But we're going to have 3% growth in the U.S. economy for the fourth quarter. China's economy is still growing well over 5% a year. India's economy is still booming, uh, just growing extremely rapidly, and a lot of those Asian countries as well. Uh, and so demand, what that means is global demand for crude oil is going to continue to rise. And the OPEC plus countries are going to continue to take more and more oil off the market. And eventually, it's going to be rebalanced. And so I think once the markets all calm down from the holiday season and, and digest the fact that the president pulling 2,000 U.S. troops out of Syria is not going to create Armageddon, um, then the markets are going to calm down and you're going to see crude prices stabilize and start rising back up again into the 50 to $55 range for West Texas Intermediate. Um, I don't think they're going to go to 70 or 75, but I would say in the first quarter when you get to the end of March, uh, we ought to be pretty happy if the you know WTI is sitting around $52, $53 a barrel. I think that's a reasonable expectation. Interesting. Let's switch gears quickly. Talk about natural gas and LNG, of course. Um, what 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 happened? You know, we saw in October and November prices were around four dollars and fifty cents in that range, and now they've gone back down and they're closing at three again. So, what happened? Why did it fall so fast? Yeah. So so you get into winter, and and natural gas prices react very quickly to weather events, and so we had. If you remember, a very early November, very cold snap uh, in the Midwest and Northeast and even in Texas uh, that lasted a couple of weeks. And and at the same time, inventories for, for natural gas storage were very low coming into the winter season where we have to pull gas out of storage to, you know, to heat everyone's homes during the winter. And so there was some concern, a little concern about inventories being low. And then you had that cold snap and everybody started thinking, oh my God, we're going to have a cold winter. And so the price immediately ran up to 450 and stayed there for a few weeks. But then the cold snap ended and things got fairly warm compar comparatively in most of the country. And people said, oh, it's not going to be a cold winter after all. And the price went right back down to 330, 340. And you know, unless we have another very major, very cold weather event in the Northeast in particular, in the Midwest, where all these big population centers are, they use a lot of natural gas, it's going to stay low for the rest of the winter and, and go back down below $3 as the winter season comes to a close. And that's just because we have so much natural gas. I mean, it's a great thing. We have this incredible abundance of natural gas. And that's what really keeps the price from going up above three, three fifty for any long period of time. Well, you know, David, I know that prices for natural gas, having them very low, are tough on producers. It's it's extremely great for the consumer because they continue to enjoy lower prices on utilities and things oh, yeah. that they basically use. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, I want to know about the natural gas and LNG pricing. Um, if What do you think will happen uh, as winter is coming to a close? Um, but we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. 
Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. Okay, so David, this show has been very interesting. We have talked about um, the uh, oil and gas and how it benefits our great state of Texas. We've talked about low gas prices, crude prices, and how they've been so volatile in the stock market. And now we're on natural gas. Before the break, you were discussing the how it has fluctuated so much too on natural gas, and now it's back again down to $3. But we also know that gas prices typically go up and down, like you said, in the wintertime. So do you think that there's a chance, uh, I know you talked about that if it stays kind of modest between uh, or over the winter, that it'll stay the same. So you don't really see any big spike unless we maybe have a snowstorm that's unexpected in, in these states? Yeah, I mean, you could if, if, if you have a real strong weather event um, that, that keeps it really cold up in the northeast or the Midwest, uh, you know, the eastern half of the country for a couple of weeks, then you could see the price go up again because inventories, the storage levels really are low and they're, they're not just lower than the five-year average. They're significantly beneath the five-year range, which the you know they're they're lower than they've been in quite a few years, and so if you did have a prolonged major cold weather event uh, in those you know in the eastern half of the country that really began using cranking up a lot of natural gas usage and power generation and home heating, then again it could spike up over four dollars again and stay there for a few weeks, but. But the thing is, we, we just have so much natural gas in these shale plays. Um, it, it, it just, it, it can't stay high for very long because if the price gets up above $4, companies are going to see that as an opportunity to activate more drilling rigs and drill more wells. And as soon as you start doing that, the price is going to fall back down again because there's just so much gas out there. Um, but yeah, we could see another spike it could last a few weeks but it's not going to last a long time what about so we have all this low prices right now uh and of course it benefits well i believe it's great for the consumers right oh yeah they've been enjoying these low utility prices and um of course fantastic and then so what that basically means is if they we do have this big winter uh snap that happens and it targets uh all of the eastern uh areas with lots and lots of snow, uh, higher utilities are expected? Yeah, well, not really, because, I mean, utility pricing is done on a quarterly and annual basis. And so you'd have to have higher prices for a three-month period of time before it really impacts your your electricity bill. People in Texas need to realize that over half of our 
electricity in this state is generated by natural gas power plants. And so uh, your, your electricity rates tend to follow natural gas prices, but it's not on a day-to-day -day basis. It's on a quarterly and annual basis. And so, yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's why our electricity bills are half of what they were 10 years ago, because 10 years ago, natural gas was selling for seven, $8 an MMBTU, and now it's three. Um, so it's, it's not rocket science. It's just, you know, uh, understanding how our electricity is generated in this state. And uh, so, so it's a good situation for us uh, for a long, long time. I mean, for the rest of my life, natural gas is going to be cheap. And so I'll be paying low, low electricity bills. It's great. Sounds good to all of us. Um, S&P Global Platts reported uh, this week that natural gas has actually far surpassed coal in the power generation this winter. And this is a really great thing for the environment. It um, is, yeah. So what will we see all these coal power plants going off the grid eventually and all being replaced by natural gas? Is, where are we? I, I, you know, I, I, I know environmentalist community uh, has that as their goal. I, it's hard to see that ever really happening that all the coal plants go away. So many of the newer generation of coal plants are, are much cleaner burning. What, what has been happening over the last 10 years is the older coal plants that were built in the 50s, 60s, 70s have been retiring because they typically have a 30 to 40 year life. Uh, and so the, as they've retired those old coal plants, the at the same time, the environmental regulations on emissions have been ratcheting down and becoming stricter and stricter. And so uh, the utility companies have been replacing those older coal plants with natural gas and to the extent they can with wind and solar and other renewables. And, but, you know, I, I just, there's so much electricity demand in this country um, and the population is growing so rapidly. Uh, I do think we'll continue to see the percentage generated by coal go down, but I just, it's hard to see it ever going away entirely. And particularly when you have the environmental community at the same time, they oppose coal with its high emissions, opposing nuclear with zero emissions, right? And so nuclear, it, it, it makes no sense to me, but I'm not in that community. Um, but, but it just, it's hard to see how you ever get completely away from coal here in the United States. Interesting. Well, uh, I do have an exciting announcement um, as we go into 2019. Um, we're very excited to be uh, doing a live show in which we will begin to funnel questions from our listenership uh, on specifically oil and gas. So it won't just be me anymore asking questions and, and trying to get answers. And, and you know, the funny thing is we really want tough, tough questions because um, there's a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of misinformation that's out there on is the environment, you know, what is oil and gas doing to the environment? And so we have uh, taken on that challenge and we will be bringing John Tatera, who is a uh, geologist by trait who is going to talk on topics rather it's air water um, seismicity you name it we're uh, ready to start talking about uh, or taking those questions and then of course getting answers and we'll be doing it live so I'm excited about that that starts in 2019 so we look forward to having you back on the show and uh, being joined by John Tatera who is the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers yeah it'll be it'll be great to have John because he's also a former chief of staff at the Railroad Commission and he understands not just the Railroad Commission regulations but the 
TCEQ regulations as well as anybody in the state. So he's going to be a tremendous asset to the program. I couldn't agree with you more. But David, that is all the time we have for this week. Look forward to having you on next week in which we will be talking, of course, more oil and gas. I'll look forward to it. Thanks again, David, for being a guest on this week's show. And congratulations, because you are the topic of this week's trivia question. Be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com and you will have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's question is, what is the official title of David Blackman with Shell Magazine? Well, that's all the time that we have for this show, but please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch. Or follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G. And if you have any questions for me, or if you have questions on oil and gas, I encourage you to email me at radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at S-H-A-L-E. MAG.com. And you never know, you might be hearing your question on the radio and getting your answer. Well, that's going to wrap up another great show. See you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.